I was so emotional during that dedication. Sorry. Wasn't it a fantastic testimony? Awesome. Oh, we just appreciate you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, let me start my clock. I mustn't go over time. What a fantastic week it's been. We had the prayer for the nation here a week last Saturday. We had Kath speaking last Sunday. If you haven't heard her message, I would recommend that you listen to it. It was what you said was awesome, Kath. Thank you. You know, you're like a fine wine, Kath. You just get better with age. Hallelujah. Let's appreciate Kath. And then Dr. Roberts Liarden on Friday. I'm, I know Chris has asked you, how many of you were here on Friday night? Oh, I'll never forget that message as long as I live. Some of the outrageous things he said were amazing, weren't they? Absolutely amazing. Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> and so we've had Kath, we've had Dr. Roberts Liarden, and today, folks, you've got me. <laughs> you know, I was thinking this week as I was out running, God's got a sense of humor. Hallelujah. Anyway, oh, could you share, uh, pass me my bag, Pastor Chris, please? Can you manage it? It's quite heavy. I'd love to, right? <laughs> oh, I just want to share a testimony with you this morning. Forgive me if I get emotional, but we love testimonies, don't we? Yeah, because God's at work. Um, for many years, I would go through bouts of serious exhaustion, uh, where I was drained, where everything was an effort. I was unable to function properly. Uh, I didn't know what was wrong. Um, we lived in Raglan until four years ago. I would go to the, our amazing doctor there. One day she said, she said, oh, we'll do blood tests, Hayden, you know. Uh, and said, oh, comes back, you've got an underactive thyroid. And I thought, yes, that explains the way I feel. Because I was, I was crippled. I would come into town sometimes, and I would just want to get back and get home. My wife, if my wife was out or was working then, it would be great, because I should just go and collapse on the bed, and she wouldn't know about it. You know... It was just really debilitating. And so the doctor put me on these underactive thyroid tablets. And for me, I mean, they transform people's lives, but for me, it didn't do anything um, apart from give me um, arthritic knuckles as a side effect. I mean, when sometimes I can remember my knuckles being actually locked. So that didn't work. Then I was thinking, I must have ME, you know, this debilitating illness where you can't do anything and you can't get out of bed. And it was a difficult time. It was what I call one of my wilderness times. And to demonstrate it, it was like having a chain wrapped around me. It was so heavy. And I thought, Lord, what is going on? I've been prayed for, etc., etc. And uh, what is going on? Well... Do you want to hear some good news? I mean, we've been living in Raglan near the hospital for four years. And uh, the council must have made a mistake because they sent me a bus pass. So I was using my bus pass. You know, it was a treat to use a bus. But some days, 
as recently as a few years ago, I would come into town, and I only live 0.6 of a mile from Tesco's, you know, and 0.6 of a mile, I mean, you can do that in your sleep. But some days I would wait for the bus opposite Tesco's to get home because I just, the thought of trudging home, you know, perhaps not many of you knew that. But um, I shared some of this with the V3 group, but not in detail recently. I was walking down the Brecon Road opposite Bailey's Garage a few, about seven weeks ago, and suddenly it was like the Holy Spirit just came and said, Hey, Aiden, do you realize what I've done for you? I've broken the chains of what was binding me, and it was gone. And it was... I, 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 you know, it was amazing. I mean, you might think, oh, yeah, you know. It, but to me, it was as real as having a blind eye opened or a de deaf ear opened. And it must be two years at least since I've been through anything like that. And as we sang this morning, I wrote it down. Even when you can't see it, God is at work in you. I'll come back to that later. What a great God we've had. We've got. Hallelujah. Oh, anyway, what I want to talk today about is wilderness time. So don't get despondent. It's good news. I mean, many of us go through the wilderness, don't we? We go through experiences. It's part of the Christian life. I mean, it's not an easy walk. We go through trials. We go through tribulations. Testing comes our way. And today, yeah, I just want to talk a little bit about how do we get through these times? Because it's part of a course, and let's not kid ourselves, none of us are exempt from it, thank God. You know, when life is a struggle, when you feel like giving up, when nothing makes sense anymore, when sickness and loss hits you or your children or your grandchildren, and your marriage tested to the limits, and God seems far, far away. And you long for the times when you were at the front dancing around, and you think, Lord, what's going on? Well, God is faithful, and he brings you through. And then you go to James chapter 1, verse 2. And this doesn't help. <laughs> Am I allowed to say this? <laughs> Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Hallelujah. I'm being tested. Consider it great joy. Well, I've lost my job twice. Had no income. And one of those job empty periods discovered there was another baby on the way. Whoa. I've been through bouts of stress and depression. I don't remember being overflowing with joy. <laughs> I can remember, Kath will know what I'm talking about. I think you were, I didn't realize at the time that you were going away. Do you remember when I turned up at your place? Because something awful had happened and they were there for me. And the Bible says, count it great joy. <laughs> oh, thank goodness it's a learning curve. I was at the start, and I've moved along. Anyway, I must get on with this. You know, when we look through the Bible, we see that God tested men and women. He tests his people time and time again. Think of Abraham when he had to offer up his son in the wilderness. I'm beginning to see we not only have to go through these times, but they are necessary if we want to know and experience the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'll 
we want to experience the power of the Holy Spirit when we go through testing and tribulations, much as you want to run away with it, and I'm just the worst person around, God uses them. It's not easy. How do you get through it? We're all different. So let's go to the scripture as uh, Roberts encouraged us on Friday night. And let's read Luke chapter 4. I want to look at what is called the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. Perhaps it's better to call it the testing of Jesus in the wilderness. So are you with me? You've got your Bibles open or you can follow it on the screen or your phone. Then Jesus... Oh, yeah, he'd been baptized by John in the River Jordan, and the Holy Spirit had come visibly upon him like a dove. He was overflowing with the presence of the Spirit. So it says, Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tested, or is a better translation, for 40 days by the devil. 40 days of testing. And in those days, he ate nothing. And it, and it says afterwards he was hungry. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why that's... It's pretty obvious, isn't it? And the devil said to him... So, you know, the devil starts his antics. If you are the son of God, command this stone to be made bread. And Jesus says from Deuteronomy 8, verse 3, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Hallelujah. Then the devil takes him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil says to him, all this authority I will give you, glory, because it's been delivered to me, and I will give it to whoever I wish. Therefore, if you will bow down and worship me, all will be yours. And Jesus said, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Again, he was quoting from Deuteronomy. So, he's not given up yet, the old crafty devil, is he? He brings him to Jerusalem. He sets him on the pinnacle of the temple and says to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself off here. And the devil uses scripture. Can you believe it? For it's written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus said, again from Scripture, it has been said, you shall not test the Lord your God. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Very interesting. So I just want to just bring out some points from this passage. Um, Jesus was in the wilderness, whether the Spirit led him into the wilderness or he was in the wilderness and he was being led by the Spirit. The first thing is when you're in the wilderness, you can be led by the Holy Spirit. All may seem bleak, all may seem hopeless, but God's resources are available to you and you can be led by the Holy Spirit. But he was filled with the Holy Spirit when he went into the wilderness, it wasn't that he was lacking anything. He was actually filled with the Holy Spirit. And he was in the wilderness. He was in an isolated place. Look what he went through. He was at his weakest point physically. And so Satan comes to him. And Jesus had a 
battle on his hands. Now, if you're like me, I've read this hundreds of times because I'm older than most of you. And, you know, you just read it and you think, oh, yeah, yeah, Jesus, of course, he could get rid of Satan. You know, brothers and sisters, it's easy to forget that Jesus was a man as well as being God. He was human. I don't think I've begun to understand what that really means. You know, think of Jesus as the Son of God in glory. But while he was on the earth, he was human. He was a human being. He didn't flounder. And he didn't have an easy time. Because in the other version, you know, you find this narrative in Luke and in Matthew. In Matthew, there's a wonderful verse at the end that isn't in the bit I read. It says in Matthew 4.11 that angels came and ministered to him. Have you ever had angels come and minister to you? I wish I had. I wish I could say I had. But they wouldn't have come unless Jesus was needed it. You know, It was not an easy thing for him as a man. He was tested for 40 days. In 1 Timothy 2 verse 5, it says, There is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Not the son of God, Christ Jesus, which he was, but the man. It's emphasizing his humanity. It's emphasizing that he was made like us. He, he understands what we go through. In Philippians 2, it says, He emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being made in the likeness of men. Hebrews 4.15, He was tested in all points, just as we are. It's not easy. Perhaps you're going through a wilderness time right now and you feel like chucking the towel in. How do you get through it? We're all different. I wish there was some remedy we could um, come out with. I wish we, I could say to you, come and be prayed for and it'll all get sorted and everything will be hunky-dory. Well, let's have a look at the example of Jesus. So I just want to share 26 points. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> I just want to share a few points which I've got from this passage. So the first point, if I can do it, or he was, oh, hallelujah. He was prepared. All our circumstances, all the things in life, can, if we allow it, can prepare us for what lies ahead. How do we know that Jesus was prepared? Well, look how he answered you. He answered with scriptures, with verses from the Old Testament. He was well, well, I'm getting a bit Indian, sorry. He was well versed. Um, <laughs> it's the last time I'll be doing this. Oh, gosh, time. He was well versed in the Old Testament. I said, you know, he didn't just magic up his words because he was the son of God. His parents had prepared him. He had attended the synagogue faithfully. He was imbibed or imbued, whatever the word is, with the word of God. Um, when he answered, you know, man shan't live by bread alone. Man lives by every word. You shall worship the Lord God, etc. There were no, well, he doesn't say so. I don't think there were any flashes of lightning where Jesus was given um, a great authority to cope with this situation. So the first point I want to make is God's word is a powerful weapon when you are in the wilderness. 
wish I had known what I know now when I was much younger. <laughs> God's word is a powerful weapon when you are in the wilderness. Didn't Dr. Roberts emphasize this on Friday night? Yeah, he was saying, you know, we need to get back to this. He was saying, we need to get back to this. He dealt with the attack of Satan by declaring the word of God. And I, this is me with my spiritual imagination. I don't think he was there shouting at the devil, rebuking him or anything. I just imagine telling Satan, um, man does not live by bread alone. He didn't need to hype it up. He just quoted scripture. Ephesians 6 tells us that the word of, uh, of God is the sword of the spirit. And it just struck me. We talk about spiritual warfare. Perhaps declaring the word of God is probably the height of spiritual warfare. I just want to say, um, I know it may have gone over fashion to fashion, but I, did Dr. Roberts mention this the other day? Read and memorize the word of God. Let it become part of your DNA. I've been around the block three times, plus eight years, if you can work out that. And uh, so I've been a Christian since I was around 19 or 20. And it's wonderful when you're in a situation or you're praying with somebody and God just brings out of your storehouse a word comes up. And it, happen, it happens because... You've been taking it in faithfully and faithfully. I wonder what went through Jesus' mind. I mean, he was there 40 days. We can read this passage in 30 seconds. But he was in the wilderness for 40 days. And we have this short account. I, wonder, I was thinking, it's one of my favorite psalms. You know, because he I don't know, there must have been some water, but he was hungry. I love Psalm 1. I call it my psalm. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. I could imagine Jesus saying this, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And perhaps this was an encouragement for Jesus. And he shall be like a tree, like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. Its leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does will prosper. Hallelujah. I want to be like a tree. Oh, dear me. And um, you prepare this, and you think, oh, it'll only take 10 minutes. Another blessing is, I believe is that God uses our wilderness, our circumstances in wilderness times, not only to prepare us for the next challenge, but to refine our character and to bring us to a position where we can be a servant and a blessing to others in the kingdom of God. When we come to the point where we learn it's not about me and my needs, but it's about him and being a channel. You know, we all come with baggage. Perhaps that explains why I've spent a long time in the wilderness. And the wilderness will deal with baggage if you allow it. Hallelujah. Oh, he is at work in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. He's refining you. As it says somewhere in scripture, he wants to make us all able ministers of his 
gospel. Do you want to be an able minister? Well, I, know what, I want to be an able minister. I recognize that God is using your circumstances and times in the wilderness to prepare you and to move you on. So Jesus prepared. I'm not. Oh, the second thing is he knew his position or his position in God. Remember when he was 12 years old and the parents had gone up, was it annually or three times a year to the Passover in Jerusalem? They were three days on their journey back and they discovered Jesus was missing and they found him asking questions to the teachers in the temple. And they said, did you know we were worried about you? You know, 12-year-old boy. He said, don't you know, I've got to be about my father's business. He knew who his father was. He, he knew what he had come for. John 13, 3 says about Jesus, knowing that the father had given all things into his hand and that he had come from God. He knew he had come from God and he was going to God. And then he rose up from supper. He knew his position. And another thought that struck me was to get through wilderness times. We need to know who we are in God and what God says about us. And we need to own it. We need to declare it. Listen to what, I mean, I'm sure we've done this before. Here are just some quotes about what God says about you. All right? As many are as led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. When you're in the wilderness, you're still a son of God. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, I am a new creation. I may not feel like it, my, everything might be telling me the opposite, but I am a new creation. Oh, amen. I'm a new creation. You being dead in your trespasses and sins, etc., etc., he has made you alive together with him. Having forgiven you all trespasses, we are his workmanship. That means he has the right to do whatever he wants with us. We are his workmanship. No one will pluck them out of his hand, Jesus said about us. I am a temple of God, so I'm a son of, well, this is me. We are sons of God, we are new creations. I'm alive in Christ, I am his workmanship, I am unpluckable. Well, believe it or not, I am a temple of the Holy Spirit. Own it, own these words, declare it, and declare it loudly. You know, declare it loudly. I'll come back to that later, possibly. Own your position in the wilderness, declare it by faith and not by sight. Don't go by your feelings, go by the word of God and what he says about you. As Ansi and Manny, you know, they stuck to what God, the promises of God, even though things said otherwise. For seven years, they stuck to it. So Jesus was prepared. He knew his position. The next thing I want to say, perhaps, oh, there you are. He was patient. Forty days in the wilderness. It doesn't say anything about ravens coming to feed him. Well, he didn't eat, did he? So there was no need. But there was no intervention in those 40 days. No manner, no visions, as 
in the time of Moses. Jesus was patient. 30 years he had lived under his parents' authority. 30 years. Remember, it was also a different culture from ours today. And learned to be accountable. And I just want to, I don't know, this isn't in, wasn't in my plan, but in the night, um, I escaped into the other bedroom at about 3 o'clock in the morning. This scripture came into my head. And I just want to read it from Hebrews. It was just doesn't really fit in, but I just felt I got to re- read it. Jesus was accountable. He obeyed his parents, didn't he? Probably they were doing some things he didn't like or he wasn't happy with. But it says in Hebrews 13 verse 17, obey those who lead you. I think that's a word for some of us today. Obey those who lead you. Be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief. And I remember, I don't know if you remember this, I went to see Chris a few months ago, and I said, Chris, I give you permission. Do you remember that? To speak into my life. And I thought, oh my goodness. Say, you know, tell me what I need to hear. I can take it. <laughs> but I was a bit, yeah. We need to be accountable as Jesus was accountable. Now, I've lost the plot now. I've, well, nothing new there, is there? He was patient till his time came. Think of Joseph. Jacob's favorite son, which we read about in Genesis, he had a dream which he shared with his brother. He wasn't popular with his brothers. They hated him, the scripture says, because he was full of himself. He survived kidnapping and slavery before rising to a place of privilege in Pharaoh's palace. Found himself falsely accused of attempted rape of his employer's wife. Surely God would deliver Joseph once again as he delivered him out of the... What happened? He spent the next 12 years in prison. There were no miracles, no earthquakes, not even a visiting angel to comfort him. The only thing the Bible says about him was the Lord was with Joseph. God was dealing with Joseph. It's another sermon here. An arrogant young lad originally. He couldn't use him then. And Joseph was patient. Well, okay. You know, James 1 verse 4 says, let patience have its perfect work. Let patience have its perfect work. You may be mature and complete. Do you want to be mature and complete? So let patience have its perfect work. I don't know about you, but I think patience gets easier as you get older, doesn't it, Pastor? (laughs) No, seriously, patience does get easier. As you get old, although there's things, you know, if there's a problem, I want it sorted. Um, Moses was 40 years in the backside of the desert, shepherding the sheep after he escaped for his life before God used him in a spectacular way. Patience pays off. It's even one of the fruits of the Spirit we read in Galatians 5. And I love that passage in the Gospels. It's the, about the parable of the sower and the seed. Do you know the, the seed that fell on the, 
dry ground and withered, on stony ground, on thorny ground. But in one, one of the Gospels it says, but the seed that fell on good ground are those that brought forth, what? Fruit with patience. That has really kept me going a lot, folks. You bring forth fruit with patience. Right. My breakthrough with that healing I shared with you, when I had that thunderbolt moment on the Brecon Road, <gasps> gosh, I was just reminded. I said, well, well Lord, why, why, why? Why is it like this? I just felt God was saying to me, the breakthrough came through steady, pressing on, doing the work of God, just slowly, slowly, step by step. You know, as you're being faithful in all that you do, God is at work in you. You may not realize it, as I said from that song earlier. So be patient with God. Be patient with yourself. Be patient with other people too. Yeah. Right, the next thing in the wilderness. So Jesus was prepared. He knew his position. He demonstrated patience. And I bet in those 40 days, he must have been praising God. Well, for sake of time, I'll go on to the next one. And praying at the same time. I mean, what else would you do in the Judean wilderness? Praise and prayer brings breakthrough. And Jesus was giving glory to God, wasn't he? Just by declaring those scriptures that we read. Perhaps the Psalms were going to his head. He must have known them from being in the sing, not the cinema, the synagogue. <laughs> oh, dear, dear. I'm getting old. And, um, you know, the Psalms about giving thanks to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, etc. I bet they kept him going. Because I bet they sustained him. And I even wonder if what we call the Lord's Prayer was forming in his mind as he spent that time in the wilderness. I love Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. Oh God, why is that a script verse? His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me together. And let us exalt his name together. He must have felt, well, I can't say the word. He must have felt awful with what he was going through. But I bet he was praising his father. Because he saw the big picture, didn't he? He knew what he was come for. And when he, we were looking after my, two of my grandchildren, two boys last week. One is four, Sid, and Griff, Griffith is two. And the little one follows the big brother. He's in his shadow. All, you know, he follows him. Whatever he does, he does. Whatever he says. But being kids, you know, they fight. Perhaps your grandkids don't, but they fight. So we say, and his parents say, well, whichever one it is, right? Sid, say sorry to Griff. Sid, say sorry to Griff. Give him the toy back. Sorry. <laughs> no, do it properly. Sorry. <laughs> 
But you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, when we praise the Lord, he doesn't want us to praise him like that, does he? You know, sometimes I got knelt down by the side of my bed and I thought, praise you, Lord. You know, I know I'm supposed to praise you. So here I am. I'm obeying you, Lord. Bless you. You know, it's like, I'm sure none of you are as bad as me. But let's praise him. Let's declare. It says, um, yeah, Hebrews 13, 15 says, let us continually offer, continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, the fruit of our lips, not our mind. If it's the fruit of my lips, I've got to declare it. And I want to declare it loudly. You know, oh, why am I learning these Lesson so late, late in life. Praise brings breakthrough. Remember Paul and Silas in Acts 16? They were in prison because they delivered, um, cast out an evil spirit out of a girl who was into fortune telling and she was making her owners a lot of money. So they were put in prison. Their feet were in the stocks. They were in chains. And it says at midnight, oh, they were singing and praying hymns at midnight. Now, on the face of it, what? What is going on here? But they weren't singing, you know, I will bless the Lord at all times. I bet in the prison, they were declaring the word of God. They were singing loudly. All the prisoners would have heard them. And um, we know what happened, um, don't we? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> oh. The prison door, there was a great earthquake and all the prison doors were opened. If they hadn't opened their gobs and praised God, they wouldn't have known release. Praise brings breakthrough. I was running up the Blorange the other day. I'd come out on, you know that road that goes, is it Blenavon Road? I got a witness. Where's my witness who saw me? Sharon. And... Uh, I think she'll testify, I was just about running, wasn't I? Yeah. You know, that road up to Keeper's Pond. And, oh, time, sorry, time is going. But it's been an extraordinary week. Um, my wife left me on Saturday, and um, God started speaking. Now, she'd left me to go to Aberystwyth for a few days. So don't start thinking I've got a new theology. But I woke up on Monday morning. And I don't think we sang it on the Sunday. Um, what's that song? He breaks every chain. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, to break every chain. And like the song says, I couldn't get it out of my head. I don't know. It was just all the time. I went on another run yesterday, and it was there every time. I'm, you know, running or doing anything. It was out of my head. So there I am. And I thought, Lord, I don't know what you're doing, but I am going with the flow. So, <laughs> so, uh, 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 I'm running up that road. And um, he breaks every chain, breaks every chain. And then, then I realized some cars were coming down. <laughs> And I had my hand up, and, and I'm, they see this geriatric, you know. And I go, oh, yeah. And, um, I, but I thought, I don't know what you're doing, Lord, but I'm going with the flow. Yeah. 
If you want me to be a fool for you, let's be fools for Christ. Sorry. Right, very quickly. He was prepared. He knew his position. He demonstrated patience. He was full of praise and prayer. And finally, last point. Whoa, this is good now. Listen to this. Sorry, I've gone over 30 minutes past that, right? What a chapter we read from the beginning about the testing. But look, a few verses further on, look what Jesus says. Oh no, even before that, look what he says in verse 14. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. He went in full of the Spirit, and he came out in the power of the Holy Spirit. And it just struck me. Do you want to know the power of the Holy Spirit? Oh, I do, Lord. I don't know how long I've got, so I want to make the most of it. You don't get to verse 14. You don't get to verse 14 and know the power of the Holy Spirit without going through the first 13 verses of the wilderness. Wow. And then look how he goes into the synagogue and he opens to the book of Isaiah and look what he says. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. What a wonderful Savior we've got. Jesus fired on all cylinders in the wilderness. What a wonderful example to follow doesn't come easy and we don't learn it overnight so I don't have to, I'm finishing now this is when the music team come up <laughs> okay. what would I say in conclusion recognize that God is preparing you for all that you go through didn't Kath share last week all things, Romans 8.28, work, palindromic number, 8.28. All things work together for good to those who love God. That's what the scripture says. Kath talked about regrets. Really spoke to me, that did Kath. Because I got so many regrets about some of my choices. And it really brought healing to me, I think. And I'm losing my track now. But... Yeah, I've lost my track. Um, all things work together to good, for good. That's what the scripture says to those. Even when we end up in the wilderness through bad choices, because we're not always led into the wilderness. Sometimes we're in the wilderness. I mean, listen to me. I can write a book on it. I've been in the wilderness because of bad choices. But even in spite of that, all things work together to good for those that love God. Keep being filled. Keep seeking him. Keep short accounts. Sort out your differences. Be accountable. Be teachable. Be a clean channel for the Holy Spirit. Keep yourself pure. Keep running the race. Keep being faithful. Pick yourself up when you fall down. And when the enemy tells, comes, 
tell him to go away in the name of Jesus. Or stronger language. Remember that nothing can separate you from the love of God. I know that if I went and sinned and did something really stupid, if I went out of this room and did something terrible today, in the midst of what it could be, I would still know that what God has done in my life, I would still know that I belong to him. Work with God. Work with him. Be encouraged. Be teachable. And didn't we sing a song? I know it may look it up quickly. Let's finish with a scripture. Why can you never find something when you're up here? Isaiah, Jeremiah. Hallelujah. Isaiah 43, 19. Behold, I will do a new thing. It shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness. I will even make a way in the wilderness. If you're going through a wilderness time right now, God says, I am making a road for you in the wilderness. Let's praise him. Shall we, guys? Give it. Let's declare his praise. Thank you, Lord, that you prepare us, Lord. Thank you. Lord, we're all different, but you are having your way. We want you to have our way so we can reach, um, be effective ministers and reach this generation, Lord, for you. Lord, we're just looking forward so much, as we heard the other night, to what's ahead. And we just rejoice in you. Amen. Should we just praise God together? Amen. Amen.